Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Teeson. NAB Show, the largest media and entertainment industry convention in the world, is one of the first large-scale events to return in person October 9th to 13th in Las Vegas. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we talk to Chris Brown, NAB's Vice President and Managing Director of Global Connections and Events, on the challenges of staging the show amid consistently changing health orders and what vendors and attendees, including those taking the show in virtually, can expect from this year's event. Hi, my name is Chris Brown. I'm Executive Vice President of NAB's Global Connections and Events team. I've been with NAB for about 22 years now. Time has certainly flown and been through uh, uh, quite a lot uh, of change and watched the industry evolve over that time, which is which has been great. Most of the work that I've done with NAB has been involved in helping produce NAB's uh, major events, including the NAB Show, which is held every year in April in Las Vegas. Uh, and I'm happy to and proud to say is the, the largest uh, convention in the world for media and entertainment, covering everything from uh, radio to television to now, you know, streaming, OTT, basically any form of content creation, development and delivery. And so my work, again, is, is primarily involved uh, with the event side of the business, although we have been evolving what we do on behalf of the industry to extend to you know, new events, programs, digital opportunities. Uh, we just launched a new uh, year-round digital platform uh, back in early March called NAB Amplify, which will provide you know range of content, networking, and kind of discovery opportunities for uh, everyone in the in the business. So we're excited about that in the early stages of evolving and uh, developing that. You know, and our focus is on trying to just make sure we're serving the best interests of the industry and and putting uh, information, events, and programs out there that, uh, that help everybody move forward. There are probably people listening to this who've never been to NAB. Do you want to talk about the sheer scale of what that show has historically encompassed? So the show, you know, uh, it's been around for a long time, almost uh, almost 100 years. We're coming up on a 100-year anniversary, you know, and started out as a small gathering for the radio industry. Uh, so pre the, the launch of television with maybe uh, 50 or so folks gathering together in a hotel room and has since grown now to where in a typical year, you know, the show would draw, you know, 90 to 100,000 total uh, registrants and participants would occupy uh, four uh, separate exhibit halls in the Las Vegas Convention Center, uh, and that would include or feature uh, 1,500 to 1,700 exhibiting companies uh, covering about 2 million square feet of, of exhibit area. And, and the exhibits are, you know, really a, a, a great reflection of all the innovation that's that has occurred in the industry and certainly is occurring in the industry and every kind of major innovation has been 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 you know in effect launched through the show featured at the show uh, all the way back to you know the introduction of of you know uh, television as i mentioned to then you know color television to hd to uh, hd radio to you know all the new technologies that have been driving things and so it's everything, you know, as I generally mentioned, that relates to content uh, production and distribution. So that's everything from the from the very front end of 
you know, pre-production through uh, production, uh, capture, you know, then ingest and, and playback and transmission and uh, now more and more, you know, the new, you know, kind of digital technologies that are driving so much in the software that's driving so much of what we're doing now. Uh, so you see everything from old school microphones and antennas uh, right through to, you know, very, very sophisticated uh, you know, new, you know, cloud and AI technologies that are just changing so much of what's going on now. Right. And historically, you've had a very vast international representation there. Yeah, absolutely true. It's generally been anywhere between 25 and 30 percent of our, our total audience. And we get, you know, folks from literally all over the world, 160 plus countries uh, generally, uh, with, you know, really heavy representation from Europe, of course, Asia, uh, and interestingly, you know, uh, South America, uh, Brazil, in fact, tends to be usually the either the top or one of the top two or three you know countries represented that the show we've just got great relationship with folks down there uh and they always up, uh, bring up big groups and then international dimension is you know is really important because it's you know it is a very global business uh you know that we're in and there's innovation kind of happening all over the world and and different countries in different stages of the evolution of their media businesses and so you know that kind of connection of people coming together and you know, sharing, uh, you know, their stories of how they've evolved the technology, I think is, uh, you know, one of the huge benefits of the event. So let's talk about some of the hard discussions that happened leading up to deciding that you would go ahead with an in-person event this year. Hard is the right way to put it. These have all been anything but easy, easy decisions. Uh, You know, we are, you know, looking and following very closely all the the same information and data that, you know, really everyone is and doing our best to kind of synthesize that and understand really what that means and, you know, what what is uh, practical and what is safe uh, to do in, you know, the kind of time we're living in. And, you know, from our standpoint, you know, if you roll it all the way back to, you know, kind of last fall, that's when we made the decision at that point that April of this year would uh, not be, would likely not be a safe time uh, to hold a, hold an event. And that was based on the data that we were looking at at that time. And, you know, certainly, uh, you know, in the fall, the virus was, you know, at a, you know, sort of peak level. And, you know, there were, you know, lots of things kind of being worked through, you know, vaccinations were just really starting to be rolled out. So we're kind of at the front end of our process to get ahead of this. And, you know, it didn't appear that, you know, by the time April rolled around that, you know, the country would be far enough along, you know, in its, um, you know, in its vaccination rollout and to where we could, you know, very clearly, you know, hold the event in April. So there was enough risk there that we just said, look, let's give ourselves a little more time. Let's create a little bit more space in the calendar and let's move it into, you know, either late summer, early fall. And so we, you know, we were able to fortunately work with the uh, Las Vegas Convention Center to secure some dates in early October. Not able to secure the entire convention center, but uh, we did get uh, two of the major halls, which is uh, which is great. And you know, from our standpoint, we understood there would be enough uncertainty and enough questions around, you know, even where we would be by the time fall rolled around. That you know, we thought two halls would be adequate, you know, to kind of cover ultimately what we would need, you know, given all the conditions that we were 
you know, that we were looking at. So as you mentioned, hard, but, you know, in the end, you know, I think we have felt good about it and that we are at least in, you know, in a position where we can produce the event safely. Right. As one of the first big international industry events to go ahead, do you want to talk about some of the challenges, like the decision you had to make to decide to only allow entry to the fully vaccinated? There's been a lot of discussion about whether that's the right call for a lot of events. What are you hearing from prospective attendees? Uh, feedback's been generally very positive. You know, we had all along, and this has been true pretty much from from day one, uh, rolling all the way back to last March. I mean, we've just been watching things very carefully. The other part of this uh, is that we've tried to stay very tuned into what the viewpoints are of our community, of our exhibitor participants, of our uh, past attendees and current attendees, uh, you know, the entire community. And so one of the things that, you know, we wanted to do as, you know, with recent developments around the Delta variant have kind of started to, you know, raise some concerns. We wanted to reach back out to that community and really kind of get a gauge from them as to how they were feeling about, you know, attending the show here later in the fall. And uh, so we did that. We floated that got a lot of really quick and good feedback uh, from folks and and essentially that guided our decision and and the you know well I'd love to be able to say that you know there was overwhelming support for one policy over the other but I think we all know just based on you know how really difficult this issue is and how you know many viewpoints there are that it you know we're it, it's difficult to get to that level of kind of unanimity we never expected that but we did get a really strong you know, lean into a vaccination requirement. We actually asked for some additional feedback on some other approaches, all of which we are, you know, digging into at this point, including, you know, where we should land on on masks and how people feel about masks and wearing masks at events and that type of thing. And there is, you know, right at this point, at least, you know, uh, pretty strong support for mass wearing as well. Vegas has a mass mandate in place as we as we speak uh, that was um, uh, passed down from the governor there. You know, we've got schools going back, which will have some impact, uh, you know, and in, in some variations in how people are approaching that. Uh, but we have more and more businesses beginning to lay in vaccination mandates. Uh, uh, the military now, based on the, the new Pfizer announcement, moving in that direction. So things are evolving and, you know, evolving daily, which which is uh, which is not not new. Uh, it's kind of been been the scenario for a while. Uh, and we just thought, again, we needed a little bit more time to kind of see how things, uh, how some of these measures may be impacting things and, you know, directly and in how people are viewing uh, what may be happening as well. So, again, did it based on uh, the feedback we were getting from the community, kind of what we were seeing going forward. We announced actually, I think the same day or certainly shortly after CES had also, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show had also announced that uh, they would be going to a, a vaccine requirement, and that show is not being held until until January. Uh, just want to say here that we had already pit, we had been in you know conversation about that change in that direction prior to the CES announcement. But again, having those kinds of things um, public and other people kind of moving that direction, you know, I think certainly bolstered our our confidence that we were doing the right thing and, and making that change. So what are your projections for attendance in, in sort of this sliding scale, uh, you know, place that we're in right now with everybody waiting to see what happens here uh, in the fourth wave? 
Yeah, great question. And and I like the I like the way you put that. The sliding scale is really kind of the only honest and and practical mode uh, any of us can be in. Um, you know, uh, right now what we are seeing, and I would just be be less than honest with you if I told you I've got a a hundred percent you know nailed down model that'll tell me exactly and forecast exactly where we're going to be. There just way too many variables to be able to do that. Uh, but if you look at kind of some of the experience of the events that have been occurring, you know, over the last couple of months, if you kind of look at kind of where we are in our tracking and pacing with registration, which actually has been, you know, pretty encouraging, we would, you know, project at this point that, you know, we are going to be somewhere around the 50% mark, you know, in terms of what we would normally expect, 45 to 55%, you know, so worst case, best case kind of kind of range. And I think we're on, you know, track to be able to, you know, deliver that all things being equal, being the big caveat. And, you know, what's what's happening and in, in the dynamic with that, some people, you know, will hear that or see, you know, see that kind of forecast, and they will kind of recoil and say, Ooh, what's what's going on there. Most of the feedback we've been hearing, which we would expect to be true for us, is that, you know, even with that kind of dynamic, now understand that, you know, in a typical year when we have 90,000 registrants and 1,700 exhibitors, you're dealing with that kind of ratio of exhibitor to attendee. When we reduce our that footprint to the two halls, we'll end up with, you know, somewhere between 700 and 800 exhibitors, it looks like, and then do, you know, a total attendance that is somewhere around 50% of what we would normally do, say that's 45 or, you know, 50. That dynamic is actually relatively similar to what it would be in a normal year. Again, it's, it's, it's the, as you said, the sliding scale, you know, kind of approach, but it does just mean that relative to, you know, what we've been used to, things have adjusted and, uh, what you have is still, you know, a pretty healthy dynamic there. Number one, still a very large event. And that's important to point out. I mean, there are, you know, of the top 200 or so events that are held in North America, most of them are going to be at a level of, you know, 25,000 or less attendees. There are very few that are NAB in a normal year is, is a, you know, is a top 10 uh, trade show in, in North America and usually in a on an annual basis, one of the top five shows in the country. So again, we'll still be a very, very large event. Uh, I think what you would have to a dynamic we've assumed is that the people who are going to be coming obviously are going to be uh, decision makers, the people who can and and will make the decision for themselves to be able to come, and are also people with you know fairly heavy authority, uh, which is good news for everybody there because uh, you know what you've got are are folks who are you know passionate about the business, want to be there, want to do business. And uh, so, you know, I think all the elements are there to make for a really nice dynamic. Do you want to talk about some of the new features this year? The guided curated tours come to mind right off the top. So curation, I think, is a theme that we've been very focused on and have been for the last couple of years. And as you can imagine, some of these ideas have been, you know, kind of in the in the uh, in, in the planning stages for for a while now. And we're, we're excited to be able to finally be able to execute them. So yeah, curated tours, the idea is again, I mean, we know that, you know, it's still, you know, a large event, uh, maneuvering through it can be uh, challenging at times, somewhat intimidating because you are dealing with, you know, a wide range of, of companies, a wide range of technologies, 
And it, you know, what is relevant to one person may not be relevant uh, entirely to another in the mix and the way this all comes together. So, you know, with those tours, we wanted to provide the opportunity to kind of break that down into uh, specific categories uh, and specific focus areas so that people and do that with small manageable groups so that people have the opportunity, you know, to kind of also network uh, amongst a group of folks, with, you know, like uh, challenges and opportunities in a setting where they are guided, you know, through the show to, you know, a manageable number of exhibitors are taken through by experts who know, you know, the technology, who know, you know, the companies. Uh, and so they are getting kind of overview information as they're, as they're being guided. And then at each stop, at each exhibitor stop, uh, you know, they're engaging directly with the, you know, the, the, the experts in the exhibitor booths who are actually taking them and, you know, showing them either key, you know, new products that they are rolling out or, or just uh, key highlights that they may, you know, be featuring in their, in their exhibit. So, you know, curation, I think we, we've understood now, you know, for the last few years that, uh, it isn't good enough anymore for us just to kind of invite people down and say, hey, come on in and just have at it. Here's your you know, guide to the show. Maybe we, you know, we've got you an app you can use if you want to you know, look up companies and that type of thing. All of those tools are helpful. But as I said, we don't work in you know, the widget business. What we do is very complicated. And so being able to help people, you know, make the best use of their time and sort through what they can find, you know, is really important. So tours for us is just, you know, is a good example of that curation and really one of, you know, uh, a number of new programs that we want to kind of be introducing going forward. You know, we're excited about some of the other new features on the show floor. We've got, you know, a new future delivery area that's going to zero in with everything that's happening in, you know, 5G and mobile delivery. There's just a, a lot going on there and a lot of interest. Uh, so we, we're excited, you know, about that. We have a new streaming experience will be the first time that people can actually come and kind of view side by side all the different OTT streaming platforms that are out there and get a sense for, you know, how they are, you know, kind of developing their user interface and, and experience and what that looks like from the, from the consumer expe- uh, perspective. So it's really kind of interesting because we all, I think, are uh, customers, but also watching how, you know, all of those, you know, technologies and new services and new, you know, content platforms have been, been evolving. So those are just a couple of the things that I think are, you know, really exciting this year. So as part of NAB's evolution as a destination, the show is now co-located with a number of high profile industry events. Do you want to run through those? And do you think that's having an impact on who your attendance base is? Yes, great question again. And and yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we are excited. I mean, this is obviously where necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, this, this was uh, us adapting and, you know, understanding that, you know, there were other folks out there that, you know, perhaps uh, we could uh, work together with to create a stronger experience for everybody. And then also that, you know, we have our own events that we produced uh, normally in the fall and that could be effectively integrated with NAB show so that we could create a, a you know, a fuller experience for, for the folks that represented in those audiences. And so what we're talking about are, you know, from a 
external partner perspective, we have the Auto Engineering Society, you know, who've been actually partners with us for a few years on the event we've been doing in New York. And they're a great organization, uh, have a great membership. These are the technicians, uh, both in, you know, kind of the broadcast side, the you know, but also bleeds over to uh, the music and music production side of the equation. But these are the audio, the true audio technicians, the audio experts, you know, that know the ins and outs of, of you know, pure audio production as well as uh, integration of audio and video. And actually, that's an event that, you know, we know that a number of our engineers, our, our broadcast engineers and others, uh, you know, have regularly attended as well. So it offers them then, you know, kind of that two for one opportunity on the side related to our events, we're, you know, really excited about being able to integrate the radio show, which which has typically been a September, October event, uh, but has moved, you know, kind of around the country. And that event has been around for a long time, partnered there as well with, uh, so we have a layered partnership within the partnership, but we partner with the uh, Radio Advertising Bureau, who've been great partners on that event for now about uh, 10 or 11 years. And they will again be uh, working with us on uh, this iteration of, of radio show. And to your point, this is one where I think it, it'll be interesting because we, we've always had a radio component to, you know, the NAB show. We've had, you know, a, a section of exhibits that are uh, radio specific. Typically that's been in the North Hall and will be you know, again, for, for this year's show, uh, where we've had as many as, you know, 100, uh, 120, 25 radio specific exhibitors. And we will, so again, as I said, we'll have that section of, of radio uh, focused exhibits in the North Hall. And then in the adjacent facility, which is the Westgate Hotel, which is, uh, you know, directly uh, across the street from the convention center, uh, really on campus, if you will. And all of the programming for the radio show will actually occur there. So what you're creating is a really efficient way uh, in, in providing, you know, for, for people to come to the show that are in the radio business to kind of now not only dive in and immerse just on radio specific subject matter, but be able to kind of get out and actually get a viewpoint through the rest of the NAB show on, you know, the, the overall trends that are driving, you know, media, media consumption and, and those types of things, which I think is really valuable and not something that we are able to easily do when we just do the radio show as its own independent event. The other event that we are having at the show is the, the sales and marketing television exchange, uh, SMTE is the short acronym. And that is a, an event that typically caters to five or 600, uh, mostly medium to small size television operators and is really uh, zeroed in on what, you know, they care about most, which is driving revenue, which is how they grow their, grow their businesses. And so there again, for those operators, again, medium, small market folks, a great opportunity now uh, where they can dive into their own. And we, we package these so that SMTE actually runs right on the front end of the NAB show, full NAB show schedule, uh, Friday, Saturday, and then NAB show open Sunday. And then we packaged uh, radio show at the back end. So that is running Wednesday, Thursday. So again, if you schedule your time, either one of those events, you know, you can take in, you can dive into, you know, what is your particular focus, but then take a day or two and we wouldn't expect people, if they want to hang out for a full week and a half, that'd be great. But, 
you know, really assuming people would take another maybe day or two to take in the broader NEV show to get that that big view, that big trends view, uh, which is so important. So for those who can't attend in person this year, will there be some hybrid virtual options? Yes, absolutely. We will have a digital experience available to folks who cannot attend. And it will be, you know, a mix of straight up education content, as well as opportunities for folks to actually engage and interact directly with the exhibit floor and exhibitors. This is where we want to be able to create a true hybrid experience, meaning that people can, people in a digital, from a digital aspect, are able to actually, during the days of the event, in a live way, actually see and engage with what's going on at the show. So we're looking at, you know, live on floor cameras just to give people a sense for what it looks like and what's going on. We're looking at ways to actually directly connect digital attendees to uh, exhibitor personnel so that somebody could actually pull up, you know, a quick Zoom if they want to be able to connect and do those kinds of things, Uh, maybe even get taken on a quick tour to the booth, that type of thing. From an education perspective, we want to be able to give people an opportunity to sample most of our programming. So we will have some of our main stage content, which are sort of keynote level programs available live and streamed. Uh, we will have other programs uh, like that that are also available BOD. And then we will have sampling of some of the different conference programs we have. We have six kind of featured conferences. Each one of them you know, will be some content available. On top of that, there are a couple of the programs that we have that are partner-driven, where we will actually have uh, most of the program available. The best example of that is our post-production world conference, which is a training-focused program, which digs into uh, editing and lighting and a whole range of uh, production and post-production. Any thoughts you want to close on, Chris? I would just say thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to uh, speak with you today. I mean, we are excited about being able to get back to, you know, in-person events. We're excited about being able to introduce some of these new features uh, that we talked about. And, And from everything that we can tell, we we feel the industry and our community is really excited as well. I know that folks have been really doing a great job adapting and have been flexible and working from home and finding, you know, new ways to introduce, you know, online workflows and other things to kind of keep the business moving. Uh, And that's been great, but there is a, there is something truly unique. It's not replicable, you know, with a zoom call or online you know, with an in-person face-to-face event. In particular, it's just getting all those different people with all that knowledge and all that experience together. Uh, And it's the serendipity, right? It's the things that people are not expecting to learn or the things they are not aware of, you know, that really drive the value of those kind of live events. Right. I think there is an appetite to return to in-person. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Thank you, Connie. I really appreciate it. for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.